I'm trying to elevate small talk to medium talk. I'm Alexander Chester, but I get sick of saying that name, so I say Todd to strangers sometimes. And I'm Av Sinensky, and it's true. I'm a drug addict now. Welcome back to Pretty, Pretty, Pretty Good, a Curb Your Enthusiasm podcast. It's episode 10. We are here to discuss the season finale of season one of Curb. Av, we are 10% of the way through. Yeah, I can't believe we made it this far. Um, When this podcast was just a twinkle in your eye, and I said to you, hey, you said you want to do a Curb pod. Should we do a Curb pod? And you said, yeah, are you available right now? And then (laughs) we recorded the first episode, basically. Yeah, you know, I didn't think that... Two and a half months later, I'd be sitting here in quarantine still doing this podcast with you. Yeah, uh, neither did I. But we are here today to discuss The Group, which is the season finale, originally debuted on December 17th, 2000. It's just crazy. This whole season came and went in like our first semester of 12th grade. You know, we had no idea about the show at the time, obviously. Who would have thought that here we are 20 years later? Why don't we jump right into the episode recap of? Yeah. So we have Larry and Cheryl in their bedroom, and Larry's in the bathroom, and he's gargling with mouthwash to the tune of Yankee Doodle Dandy, which Cheryl quickly plays a game of Name That Tune and is able to recognize it. And they sit down in the bed, and they start to talk, and Larry tells Cheryl that his uncle Nathan is coming to town, and they want to have dinner on Thursday night, and is that okay? And Cheryl says, yeah, does, she, does he want to come to the house? And Larry says, no, we'll go to a restaurant, that way it'll be easy to get rid of him. Um, and Cheryl says, oh, is he like, he's a big of talker? And I was like, no, he's like a lingerer. He, Larry says that I'm a malingerer, but he's a lingerer. So they want to be able to uh, make plans where they could ditch him right away if possible. Yeah, now presumably Uncle Nathan is coming to L.A. for other purposes and is just going to dinner this one night with Larry. <laughs> I hope so, if, if they're being that callous with his yeah. time. If his whole trip to L.A. is to hang out with them, then this plan doesn't really work. Yeah, that wouldn't. Um, so um, Larry says that, tell Cheryl, that Jeff has indicated to him earlier in the day that he wants to see Larry and Cheryl in his office tomorrow, but he won't tell them a reason why. Which this is like this is a common theme now. The last few episodes where like Larry's in an initial conversation with somebody and they say, "Oh, I want to talk to you some other time," and Larry's like, "No, like talk about it. like just tell yeah. me now. We're here." Like it happened yeah. last week with Richard Lewis on the phone, and it now happened. He talks about it with Jeff here, and it's going to happen again later in the episode as well. So this is uh, clearly was on Larry's mind this uh, little social situation. Um, so they, you know, they say goodnight, they turn over in bed and then Cheryl says, you know, I was, I've been meaning to ask you, it's been bothering me. How come I'm always the one that has to initiate sex? (laughs) And Larry explains, um, pretty, you know, intelligently and correctly, uh, if I do say so, that Cheryl should just be on notice that Larry is always available for sex at any time of day, whatever the situation, if Cheryl can just tap him on the shoulder and sex will occur and Really, this is to her benefit because if he if it's his responsibility, he's going to just be making moves all day. He's going to be treating her breasts like they're his, and <laughs> she's probably not going to like that. So this is really a better system for both of them. Yeah, 
It's funny because when she asks the question before he answers, my first thought is, well, Cheryl's 18 years younger than Larry. Real life Lori David was 10 years younger than, or is 10 years younger than uh, real life Larry, who, you know, they were married to each other at the time. So, like, you know, if you're a woman who is going to marry a much older man, you have to understand that, like, you know, his sex drive may be a bit slower. But, yeah, but, I mean, I I like Larry's answer. You know, I cannot imagine this question in my marriage because notwithstanding constant availability, I still make that availability known. (laughs) But I I do agree with Larry's answer, which is is a classic Seinfeld stand-up bit as well, where he says that uh, with sex, men are like firemen and women are like fire. The fireman is available to go 24-7. The fire can only happen under specific circumstances, but when it does, it's really, uh, you know, a majestic and impressive thing. So. Anyway, very good. All right, so uh, we co- we come to the next day, and they are in Jeff's office. He tells them that he received a call from Wendy Prager, who is directing the Vagina Monologues, and she has seen Cheryl in some play or some performance in the past, and she liked her, and she wants her to play a part in the local showing of the v- the Vagina Monologues. Uh, Larry says that he's never actually seen a vagina with his glasses on, so he doesn't know exactly what it looks like, and it's all a hazy mystery to me. Jeff says that he's extremely pro-vagina. He wants that to be known for the record. And Cheryl's, like, really excited about this. You know, she she says she's going to give it a shot, and she's very thankful to Jeff. She wants to get him a gift. Larry says, how about a bottle of Johnny Goldberg? Um, Cheryl corrects him a little bit and says, no, I think you mean Johnny Walker. And, you know, everyone's in very good spirits. And that's where this Curb episode ends. (laughs) It's very interesting to me throughout both Seinfeld and Curb how no one in either of the shows is very much into drinking or drugs or anything of the sort. Uh, you know, Jerry doesn't even have any alcohol in his apartment except for occasionally a bottle of Hennigan's. Uh, they make a point. Uh, I think uh, Elaine once says, like when she tests positive for Poppy, that she's never done any drug in her entire life. Uh, clearly, uh, Larry can't even say the names of like you know like a mainstream whiskey. So very interesting how sort of anti-alcohol and drugs uh, both of these shows are. Not anti, just like completely unaware of yeah. in an unrealistic way. I More yeah, ambivalent almost. Yeah, I know yeah. that Jerry made a point of like not getting involved with like you know coke when like every other comedian in the eighties was. But even if he wasn't personally involved, he would have had a lot more awareness of it, both him and Larry. And yet they um, seem to really not. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be a big uh, factor yeah. in either of their lives. Um, yeah, I think later Larry has to go buy some weed for his father. Yes. And he doesn't seem to have any moral opposition or you yeah. know, oh, any sure. opposition to yeah. it. It's just more like he's never and done it before. And by the way, I would assume in 2020 that Larry David does uh, you know, uh, ingest marijuana from time to time. I would hope so. Because if not, he, you know, we could see some great stuff from Larry. Yeah. And uh, quarantine can be quite boring. Yeah, uh, also, he's buddies with Leon, so he's smoking weed. Yeah, for sure. Uh, By the way, it's just interesting. Cheryl has been so anti-Jeff throughout season one, so this really is a dramatic turnaround once Jeff offers her a gig. Yes, although some might argue that this is like Jeff's worst showing as a human being of the the series so far. But Cheryl doesn't know about that yet. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a very uh, Jeff Jeff all over the place in this episode. Um. Anyway, so they uh, they proceed into the lobby of Jeff's office, and they bump into a woman who recognizes Larry. They introduce each other. She's very touchy and joking around and complimentary of Larry. Um, Cheryl very quickly becomes uncomfortable by like the extent of their relationship. Like you could see, like her body language. She doesn't really know what's going on. Um, 
And Lucy sees Cheryl holding the script to the vagina monologues and says, mentions that, oh, she wanted to get a part in that play, but like her agent dropped the ball. Um, you know, she congratulates Cheryl on getting the part, yada, yada. Um, so Cheryl then asks, oh, well, how, did, how do you know each other? And it turns out Larry and Lucy had dated in the past, but Lucy didn't like him very much. Um, uh, did you recognize the actress playing Lucy? Yeah, yeah, right yeah, away. So she plays Rachel on Seinfeld. Yes. The uh, observant Jew. Uh, she really is acting quite inappropriately in front of Larry's wife. Yeah. It's, and by it's, the way, the show does Cheryl no favors here because she's dressed in like a conservative business suit while Lucy is, uh, you know, showing yes. off the goods. Yeah. I mean, yeah, she's very like flirty and touchy with, you know, in yeah. front of somebody else's husband with some like not like someone who she like she doesn't know Cheryl. Yeah. Like she doesn't know that like Cheryl's cool with her like being like very touchy feely with her husband. Like this is yeah. not how you should and it's it's not like her and Larry are particularly close either. The impression you get from this episode is they dated a long time ago and they're not really in touch at this point. Yeah. So yeah, she's it's a very inappropriate way that she that she yeah. So um Cheryl like really reaches a breaking point at that and just basically says, like, I'm gonna go wait in the car and read my script in the meantime. Um Lucy congratulates them on their marriage, which is also like a weird thing to say. To which Cheryl responds very wittily, Oh yeah, I had almost forgotten about that. At which point, like how, how is like Larry not seeing like how obviously yeah. like pissed off his wife is right now? Like he's why very he unaware. The co- why does he let Cheryl walk away while he continues the conversation? Yeah, like, he should he should be like, Okay, I'll come with you and yeah. this person that I barely know, yeah. like we'll say goodbye to. Um, anyway, Lucy then, after Cheryl leaves, Lucy mentions that there's something that she wants to talk to Larry about. Can they have lunch tomorrow? And Larry says... Yet again, a conversation that has to happen at another in-person. Exactly, yes. This is the one I was referencing earlier that, yeah. like, like Larry's like, just let's just talk about it right now. And like, well, once we know what it is, it makes sense. She doesn't want to, like, talk about this in, a, like, a hall big, like, lobby. But I also wouldn't think she would want to talk about it with him in, like, a, a diner or, you know, coffee shop either. This is more like a... Like in one of our homes or like in a car, you know, somewhere very private situation. Anyway, Larry uh, hopes that it's not that they have a child together, which she assures him it's not because then she would probably know about it. Um, And Larry agrees, uh, you know, fine, I'll come see you. I'll see you tomorrow. Uh, We then cut to Larry and Cheryl at home at bed. And Cheryl tries to make a move on Larry. He's like, what are you doing? She says, I'm tapping you on the shoulder. Let's let you know, let's do it. And Larry is not in the mood. Yeah. And at first, Cheryl's like trying to, like, she's like trying to understand like what's going on. Like, do you not feel well? How, qu- how quickly did you know like why Larry wasn't in the mood? Yeah. Uh, I mean, look, I, maybe it just I'm 15 years younger than Larry, but the idea of being tapped out seems insane to me. But, Again, he's he's you know he's an old bald, balding guy. So to me, I quickly realized uh, you know why he's uh, tapped out. Yeah. So uh, it turns out Larry is uh, he's tapped out. He's uh, taken yeah. care of himself earlier. Yeah. Um, you know, sometimes married men have to make a calculation about what the yeah. likelihood of sex is going to be. And then yeah. if you you know if you think it's not high, then you know you do what you got to do. But you know sometimes. Yeah, but, but if, if you know that you don't have the capability to uh, to reperform, then you, your calculation has to be much more conservative. I think. Yeah, you know, I suppose, but you know, it really just depends on what your you know your batting average is. Yeah, you know, all this so. goes into account. <laughs> um, yeah, because well, you know, once once you go upstairs, you know, yeah. you're just it's it's you know, you're throwing the dice. Yeah. Um. So she wonders why you would even do that. He says because it was there, which you know, yeah. pretty much. Um. 
Cheryl then all of a sudden realizes what must have happened is that Larry was turned on from earlier in the day from seeing Lucy. Yeah. And that's why he was, you know, all aroused before bedtime, which is not at all correct. He was turned on before bedtime because he was turned on. But like, it nothing to do with the fact that like he saw a pretty woman earlier in the day. Well, uh, is Cheryl not correct? Because he acknowledges that she had a featuring role in his. Yeah, but like she wasn't like a but for cause of of like that's just be like what he decided the to implies do. That she was. I mean, I don't know if if you know fifty whatever year old Larry is uh, doing this activity uh, every night. I suppose. Um, I feel like once he was doing the deed, that's yeah. what popped into his head. Not oh, I saw her today. Oh. Yeah, I'm not. I think the episode implies the latter. Yeah, but there's yeah, it's not it clear cut either way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she. Is now, I don't know if usually, uh, you know, like in uh, in the contest and uh, you know in, in television, I don't know if it's usually the case that there's one precipitating event that causes this, or it's just a daily occurrence. Because, <laughs> but again, I don't know Larry's schedule, so <laughs> everyone's on their own calendar. Yeah, every, yeah, every yeah. I don't. Larry probably has a calendar. <laughs> um, anyway, so we um, we continue this uh, this argument between Cheryl and Larry. She wants to know. If uh, if that's who he was thinking about, he was thinking about Lucy while he was doing that. Uh, he had, Larry admits that she made a brief appearance. Cheryl then gets pretty jealous. She's like, "What about me?" And this this happened earlier, right? I think in the yes. pilot, the same conversation happens. She wants yes. to know. Oh no, it was in the port in the pants tent, right? Yes. Yeah, Cheryl like wants yeah. to make an appearance. If she's in a source of his erections, right, 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 right. Whether she's yes. a source of his erections, um, and how is she a source of the resolution to those erections? Yes, and Larry, Larry insists, no, you don't want to be in there. You yeah. don't like the, I, I don't want to defile you and degrade you by including yeah. you yeah. in my masturbatory yeah. encounters. Yeah, complimentary to your wife to tell her you think about other women other than her while masturbating is a really tough argument from Larry here. Yeah, but I feel like this is like one of those either way you're screwed situations for the reasons that he said. She's like, oh, like you think that's how you, that's the only way you think about me? I don't know what women, you know. No, I they, think the correct answer is yes, of course, I fantasize about you all the time, even when you're not around. Now, whether she buys it or not is another thing, <laughs> right? But to say, no, I think about other women. In fact, yeah. every other woman but you, no, that, that's the wrong argument, clearly. It might yeah. be lose lose, but this is right. definitely a lose. No, yeah, this is right. This, this is yeah. silly. It's like different lose probabilities, but, yeah. they're, but they're both lose. Yeah, perhaps. Um, so Cheryl says that that's it. She doesn't want Larry, Lucy in Larry's fantasies anymore. She's out of the mix. So Larry says, you know what? He's actually fine with that because she was a bit of a prima donna. <laughs> she has a bad attitude. She doesn't participate a lot in the lesbian scenes. Yeah. Uh, that, that, this, this is my favorite part of the episode. This is this Larry little rant yeah. here about, uh, Larry's um, imagination much more now Larry as we've discussed not a big internet guy not a big technology guy so probably he's relying much more on his uh, imagination than uh, you know that's uh, right available video that's right um, <laughs> and they agree no more ex-girlfriends and Larry's fantasies only strange women and Larry says he's going to bring back a young Sophia Loren uh, bringing her back again yeah. like, Larry obviously obsessed with Sophia Loren in the year 2000s yeah. but Cheryl says who wouldn't yeah, who wouldn't? Yeah. Um, I don't. Remember, when did Sophia Loren came out? I know it was an earlier episode, but I don't yeah, remember which I, I, one. I, I don't. You know, so, uh, young Sophia Loren has never uh, showed up in my uh, lineup. Yeah, but. I wouldn't think. Um, We're a different generation, I suppose. Yes. Anyway, so we uh, proceed again to the next day. This is a, a multi-day episode. I'll, I'll, we takes place over several days, more so than I think most curb eps this season um so they're in the uh they're in the parking lot outside the restaurant where larry's about to meet lucy for lunch 
And Larry gives Jeff the bottle of Blue Label Johnny Walker that Cheryl had gifted to him. Uh, Lucy then arrives. Jeff says he thinks he recognizes her from the Hurricane movie. Uh, she says she's thinking of somebody else who was in a tornado movie. And she explains, no, actually, I was in an asteroid movie. This was I, this joke didn't work for me so well. I didn't think. Did you like? Did you think it was funny the way they're just kind of like riffing on like recognizing people and associating them with a certain type of movie? This like felt like an inside Hollywood joke. Is, yeah, I think Jeff is just trying to say to her, you know, oh no, I remember who you are, but he clearly doesn't. Right. Yeah, I suppose. And she does sort of look like. Um, who did they say again she looks like? Shannon Gertz or something like that? Yeah, Jamie Gertz. Jamie Gertz. Which is not oh, a bad call. Shannon Gertz is somebody from... I don't know who Shannon Gertz is. All right. Maybe. I, this, I think that's like a Rob person. Oh, okay. Maybe not. Oh, no. Shannon. Oh, who was on my podcast? I think that's Gus. All right. <laughs> I should know she was on my podcast. Yeah. Well, we should probably... Yeah, let's leave this in. Whatever. <laughs> this is the good stuff. Oh, no, my first name. It's okay. Yeah. Um... Anyway, so Jeff's trying to weasel his way into lunch. He, you know, he says, "Oh, you know, I'm in the mood for lunch." And there's Larry says, "Yeah, well, you know, there's tons of great restaurants." Larry, uh, Jeff says, "Yeah, but this is the best one." And you know, they kind of make it clear, Jeff, you're on your own. We are, uh, we're having a personal lunch here. Yeah. So they're having lunch. Larry's talking about how he didn't go to prom because he didn't know that there was such a thing as prom, which seems very unlikely. Um, you know what? My dad told me the same thing. Really? Yeah, about his high school. And it, it made no sense to me. And it's like, like my dad like had a girlfriend in high school. He was on like the football team. I mean, he, he might have been a nerd for all I know, but he wasn't no, but like, like, completely you, out of the loop. Right. You need to, like, if you, as long as you exist, like, wouldn't there be like signs, like prom yeah, but, is this yeah, exactly. weekend? So that part, yeah. So that part, I, he's never really explained that to me adequately. Yeah. I guess they, the one thing is that he didn't know about prom from TV. Like the way we know about prom when you're yeah, six exactly. years old. It might be different s- at different schools. It might be like for some schools it's an off-campus thing. It's not official, you know, so who knows? I don't know. Yeah. I'm um, interrogate Jerry about this a little bit. Anyway, more. yeah. So this is just kind of like a, uh, a non-sequitur little monologue we get from Larry there. Yeah. Um, then Lucy, you know, comes down to business. He's, he rem- she reminds Larry, do you remember what I told you about my stepdad molesting me all those years yeah. back? Well, hold on. Before we get to the molestation, because uh, the episode is going to get heavy, can we go back to the, the Jeff-Larry interaction? Yeah, sure. So, first of all, Jeff gives a wow when he gets that bottle of Blue Label. Like, a bottle of Blue Label costs a couple hundred bucks. It's a nice gift, but there's no way a macher like Jeff is giving a legit wow to Blue Label. And it's not just, well, okay, maybe it's not that expensive, but it's very rare. No, you can get it in literally every single liquor store. So, you know, this would make sense if it was like a bottle of Pappies or something. But it's just, it's very odd that Jeff acts so, like, excited. Like, you or I, when we were in college, would have been very excited by a bottle of the Blue Label because it was something we never really had and it was out of our price range. But, like, for Jeff, it seems like a very strange reaction. He just bought um, a 57 Chevy. Yeah, that's true. Um, so it could be that 20 years ago, the, like, the, uh, the lay of the land on whiskey was different and, like, people have just become, like, much more sophisticated tastes in the last well, 20 on, years. The first time I ever had Blue Label was just a couple years after this and it was at your parents' house, actually. Yes, I remember that. Yeah, yeah, we did. Uh, we did taste tests with like blue label and red label, right? Yeah, we wanted to know is it really worth the difference. The problem is we were already so drunk at the time. But. Yeah, um, I don't remember the results. Yeah, um, hopefully the results were that we could all tell it was blue label because otherwise it's yeah. very stupid. I think the result is that uh, somebody vomited in the sink, and to this day we don't know who it was. Yeah, um, did we ever figure out who that was? I don't remember. There's so I have so many different things like that in my life yeah. that I can't keep track of which ones we solved and which ones yeah. we did. <laughs> um, oh, by the way, um, as Larry walks away. Jeff says, uh, you're, you're just a big bowl of wrong. A big bowl of is a huge Jeff Garlandism. I don't know if you're familiar with Jeff Garland's stand-up no. at all or his appearances on podcasts, but big bowl of is like his favorite expression. He way overuses it, uh, but it doesn't appear that much on Curb. This is the first one. 
Um, but that's clearly that's just Jeff Garland talking. Not should Jeff Green. should we start tracking? In addition to pretty 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 yeah. good, <laughs> how many times Jeff says big, big bowl of? Because right yeah. now they're one each. Yeah, so, so maybe maybe that's actually the most known phrase in Curb, and we'll realize yeah. that on this podcast. Uh, no, but if you have you ever heard Garland on a podcast? Um, I may have, but I don't. Yeah, he's not. By the way, he's kind of a jerk. It's kind of disappointing in uh, on podcasts. He doesn't seem like a great guy. Yeah, so. I've I've seen him in interviews, uh, kind of jerky a few times. Yeah, but yeah, everything's a big bowl of for him. Um, but uh, so, so he says, "You're just a big bowl of wrong." Then he says, "Good night, nurse." And as I'm watching this, before we get to later scenes, it's not exactly clear to me what Jeff is saying. Is Jeff is saying he's attracted to Lucy? Is he saying that she's up to no good with Larry? Is it both? I think it's probably both. But uh, I, th- you know. I, yeah, I think he doesn't know what's going on. Um, he sees Larry having lunch with this very attractive yeah. woman who maybe he knows that they used to date. Maybe not. Probably not. Yeah. Um, Good night, nurse. I mean, yeah, let's yeah. be honest, though. She's attractive, but shouldn't Jeff be meeting in Hollywood as a manager, like very attractive women all the time? Yeah, I mean, you you seem to have, hold Jeff in very high regard. Maybe maybe Jeff is not you know as as uh, rich and famous as he's we, got some floozy girlfriend on the East Coast. He's putting her up in an apartment, so he's got enough money to pay for yeah. that whole lifestyle. No, yeah, he has a very nice house in uh, in Los Angeles, so he's probably making a good salary. Yeah. Um, on the other hand, you know, he's very impressed by a bottle of blue label. So who knows what's going on here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, spotting dimes. Anyway, um, so Larry and Lucy are having lunch. Are we going to say the thing about the prom again, or how? Uh, what do you mean? No, no. There's no editing here. Go back. No editing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Lucy's about to drop uh, big news on Larry. <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. Should we do a trigger warning for people? Who... No, you you watch the show. If you, you saw the you episode, go... you know. Yeah. 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 If we're, also, we're going to make a lot... We're going to make jokes, but obviously this is very serious. Yeah. Um, in that, in that being said, here comes a lot of jokes about incest. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, so Lucy reminds Larry that many years ago I told you about how my stepfather had molested me, and you're the only person I've ever told about that. Larry, Larry immediately gets very defensive and says, "I never told anyone," which obviously makes us know that he obviously told people because, like, he's like immediately like, "Oh, I didn't tell anyone." Yeah. Um, although then he's very respectful of an anonymity later, so maybe. Yeah. Not, but I, well, I think he didn't because I think Larry is somebody who respects a a secret, and he doesn't even want to have to tell his spouse secrets. That's a whole right. thing on both Seinfeld and Curb: the idea that you have to tell. You have to share everything with a spouse, and then you yeah. know George is going to get cut out of the loop when he's engaged to, to Susan. He doesn't like that. Um, it just there's a for for Lucy to have never told anyone in her life but Larry, who she dated many many years ago, says a lot about Lucy, and it's not good. Now it might be because she's been victimized in this way, and it's affected her ability to have a relationship. But like she's never had a relationship closer than whatever she had with Larry years ago is quite alarming. Yeah, it's, it's it was pretty surprising, and also and yeah, it's like, not, I'm not making light of it. You know that, that that's a real consequence of being a victim of this kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, it's, it's it's unfortunate because the idea that someone would choose Larry David to <laughs> that's be exactly what I was about to say in an emotional support group is insane. <laughs> if you know anything about Larry David, notwithstanding the fact that he actually does a pretty good job, um, but you know it's just it really shows you know you do have a lot of problems, I guess, and and really a lack of a support of people around you. I would say that Larry did a good job at the incest group, except for one thing that he did. <laughs> Well, we'll get to that. Yes. Yeah. Um, anyway, so she says that she thinks she's having some lingering emotions about her her past and everything that happened to her. And she found out about this incest support group and she would like for Larry to come with her. 
And Larry at first is just like, well, you know, what would I do there? Which is exactly how I would feel if somebody ever asked me to come to such a thing. It's like, no, what, like I'm not going to be useful in this situation. Um, but you know, she she feels very strongly that like there's no one else that she could that could come. The only person, other person that knows about it is her stepfather, and obviously she's not going to invite her stepfather to come to the incest support group since she's he's the one that raped her and committed incest with her. Yeah. Um, so. Um, Larry then wonders whether she even qualifies for a incest group since it was a stepfather as a step even considered incest. Um, she quickly jokes like, no, it's that's like going on a date. But yes, it's incest. Uh, everything. Yeah. Larry says, OK, fine. Yes, I, I agree. It's incest. I was just he was just asking questions um, and he agrees to go. Um, suddenly in walks Cheryl with her friend Nancy, um, who we saw. That, that's the one who Larry goes to the movies with, right? Yeah, the pants tent. Yes. Um, really tying season one up with a bow. Yeah. And so this is a little bit weird because because w- w- of how we'll f- hear this scene explained later, because yeah. she seems like surprised to see them at lunch. Like she asks very, very uncomfortably. Yeah. At seeing them lunch together. They like invite her to j- come over and join. And she's like, no, like, I can't believe what's happening. This is crazy. It, it Cheryl acts as if Larry didn't tell her ahead of time of his lunch with Lucy, which, if true, would be an egregious mistake <laughs> as yes. a husband. Like, can you imagine going on a one on one date? Uh, lunch with a woman without telling your wife after what happened between your wife and that woman the day before. Yes, and but like and that's it's your ex girlfriend. Like Larry yeah. did tell Cheryl. Cheryl just says I was just surprised to see you there. But Cheryl acts like in front of as far as Lucy knows and as far as Nancy knows, that's what happened. That Larry, Larry didn't tell Cheryl. So Cheryl really again, you know, yeah, and it, Cheryl, yeah. and it, and it, like it ruins the continuity of the episode because yeah. when you, as the viewer you just assume that he didn't tell her because yeah. of the way she reacts. Yeah. I'm very confused. I thought, oh my goodness. And then, so I actually saw this episode in two parts, a couple days apart, actually. I sort of stopped in the middle. So when I got to the the scene later where Cheryl acknowledges that she knew about it, I was like, oh, wait a second, what? So then why did she act the way before? Because I thought, oh, it must have been that Larry had to, hadn't told her and I just forgot. But, you know, but we don't we don't see it, but apparently he did. So, yeah, Cheryl's behavior is very odd. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, so that, um, I think that's the end of that scene. Yeah. So... <laughs> Uh, Larry goes back out to the parking lot and bumps into Jeff again. As, but I guess Jeff was just hanging out at this parking lot yeah. for the, well, the says, whole lunch. Hey, fat man. As yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, and then Jeff starts asking questions about Lucy. Is she married? Is she single? What's her deal? Do you have her number? Uh, Larry very quickly susses out what's going on here. He yeah. says, oh, what's her number? What do you need her number for? To which Jeff says, for representation stuff. <laughs> um, so Larry, as, as the gentleman that he is, he offers yeah. to uh, give the phone number to Susie. And then Susie yeah. could pass it along to Jeff, yeah. to which uh, Jeff says, you know what, why don't you uh, just, you know, call my secretary and leave it with her because, you know, this is like a business matter, which Jar- Larry sarcastically ends the conversation by telling Jeff he's a great guy, helping her out like that. You're even a better guy, yeah. Um, so we move on to the uh, incest support group meeting. It's yeah. uh, it's being led by a woman named Cynthia. She explains very clearly and Cynthia, importantly. Cynthia, who played another girlfriend of Jerry's on Seinfeld, Cherry Becker. Yes, from the, uh, the, the library read, book, uh, Tropic, Tropic of Capricorn. Or yeah, Tropic or of Capricorn to each other. One yes, of them. Me. I, I don't remember yeah. which one it was. Um, anyway... Uh, yeah, that's in the library book episode. Yeah, so yes. um, Cynthia explains the rules of anonymity, uh, how you know it's extremely important in a group like this that nobody should have the you know their identity exposed. Um, and then she calls on a woman named Gwendolyn, who, whose name would later change to Wendy for the rest of the episode. I know, you yes. know, it's like a nickname, but like I don't know no, why she they... is introduced as Wendy in the beginning of the episode. 
Oh, is she? When Jeff Oh, when she references to, her, the Jeff director. Jeff says to Larry, yeah, Wendy so-and-so is directing. But it might be that just like Larry is going by Todd, perhaps Gwen- Wendy is going by Gwendolyn. Right. So is I, is Wendy a nickname, a common nickname for Gwendolyn? Oh, Gwendolyn, Wendolyn. Oh, oh yeah. I, I assume that Wendy is short for Gwendolyn. I hadn't even thought about that. I mean, all the letters of Wendy are in the name Gwendolyn. Yeah. So it's probably connected. I've Googled it. Yeah, Wendy. Related names are Gwendolyn, Gwen, Wendolyn, Wendolyn, Winifred. There you yeah. go. Makes okay. sense. Okay, so there you go. Um, so it's not wrong. Gwendolyn is her full formal name. Yeah. So she starts telling uh, telling her stories about first um, her grandfather would abuse her, and then there was another time that two of her uncles had sex with her together, and they <laughs> argued with each other the whole time because they didn't like each other. Um, and then there was another time where her stepbrother had sex with her, um, and then, but for, then she, she asks, two uncles, right. Two yeah. uncles at the same time. Yeah. We mentioned yes. those. Um, then, but she asks Cynthia, the group leader to confirm yeah. that step counts, which yeah. Larry, Larry perks up. He's like, see, it wasn't yeah. a bad, wasn't a dumb question. Very um, odd, by the way, that it seems like, well, this is obviously Lucy's first appearance, but apparently it's the first appearance for all of these people at this group. Yeah. It, it seemed like it. Maybe this is like yeah. a beginner's group. But yeah. The first ever. Uh, yeah. Um, and then a woman named Trudy shares her experience. She yeah. goes on a, on a on a rant, for lack of a better word, about how you know when she hangs out with her family, she just feels like she's not seen, and no one acknowledges that she's there. And then she starts yelling, "I'm here!" over and over and over. Very again. emotional, very traumatic. And what I was thinking during this the scene is like, as an actress, the role of the women sharing at the meeting must be really weird. Yeah. Because especially um, when you get the you get the casting call for Curb Your Enthusiasm. Yeah, like you're supposed to be dramatically describing a traumatic case of rape, but doing it for comedic effect. Now we also we didn't mention the fact that Wendy is played by Lorraine Newman, you know, from the original cast of SNL. Yes. Um, and then Trudy, but yeah, but Trudy again, like Trudy is like giving a really emotional scene, and I'm not sure, like, and I don't know who the Trudy actress was. But was she like, what was her motivation here? Was she thinking like, I'm being dramatic here, I'm being comedic here? It's, it's very odd. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, anyway. <laughs> then. Um, so, next, yeah, so a- after Trudy goes. Yeah. Uh, next, next up, all, Larry David is asked to share. Yeah. And this so is. Hold the on. Situ- so from what you inferred before, you think his correct response is I'm just here for emotional support for my friend. Correct. Yes. So <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's, a very, it's a very easy way to avoid the situation that happens. Yes, I, I agree. But I don't think that what he, what he did, while not necessary, I don't think it's necessarily wrong. Because um, he feels like, he feels maybe he feels like these people are going to feel like I'm an intruder if I'm just here to listen without contributing. Yeah, so first of all, I'll say it's completely unrealistic that he would be there and nobody would know. Like, she would have had to ask permission, like, can I bring someone? And, like, Probably. would have had to, had to clear it. Like, oh, this if guy is just coming. rules of anonymity, correct. Yeah, this guy's just coming with me, but he's not an incest survivor himself because, like, they might not even want him there or maybe that's okay. Like, I don't know the rules yeah. of these types of groups. Um, also, then, Wendy, if she's, like, a director of uh, on Broadway who knows Cheryl David, it's kind of surprising she doesn't know Larry David. Right, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah, that's true. Um, so, but I would I would say so to, to your point of I don't that he didn't necessarily do anything wrong. I mean, I would say that like making up a fake rape story is wrong insofar as people who tell rape stories are no, often oh, have for sure, but have their stories. He might have thought he was doing this. You know, last episode he was overly affable. He maybe he hears being overly sensitive. He thinks again that if he doesn't share a story, if he says he's just here to support someone else, others are going to think of him as an intruder, and they yeah. want to know that everyone's a victim. And so maybe he thinks he's trying to do the right thing here. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he also could just say, like, I'm not, like, 
in the mood to share today or something like that. Yeah, and that's I'm sure, also fair. Yes. I'm sure that that would probably yeah. be okay. Yeah, but he does share. Unless, unless the rule is, if this is your first time at incest yeah. support group, you must you yeah. must share incest stories. Yes, that's probably not the rule. <laughs> I would hope not. Um, I, I do love though while he's giving his sto- his made up story about his uncle who is an, os- an osteopath in Great Neck. He doesn't decide about what an osteopath does. He doesn't really know. It's amazing. It's one of my yeah. favorite moments of the episode. <laughs> yeah, um, you're right because it's right. It's a classic Larry going yeah. into his ruminations on nonsense while yes. the the tone of the yes. of the scene is just yeah. It's 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 uh it's gold, Jerry Gold. Yes. Um. Anyway. Um. So yeah, that scene ends in remarkable fashion. And we move over to Cheryl, Cheryl and Larry in bed again. They spend a lot of time in bed in this episode. And Cheryl explains, as to what you were saying earlier, that, yes, she knew about it before, but just like once she saw them together having lunch, it just made it weird for some reason. And Larry explains, you know, if I really liked her, how come I would have broken up with her? To which Cheryl says, wait, you broke up with her? And she doesn't believe that. She rejects yeah. the premise that this is possible, that some beautiful woman much younger than him would have wanted to continue dating Larry David. And he was the one who wanted to end it, even though Cheryl is pretty much... It's insulting to Cheryl. Yeah, it's in the it? same situation. Yeah. She's also a much more attractive, much younger woman who was An attracted actress. to and married Larry yeah. David. So there's no reason to think it couldn't have been another one. And especially, she never broke up with Larry, which means if they hadn't been together, it would have only been because Larry broke up with her. Yeah, so that's the you know yeah. that's there's only that's the only conclusion to make. Yeah. Um, Cheryl mentions that she's going to go meet the director of the Vagina Monologues tomorrow, and Larry, you know, he's beating around the bush a little bit. Oh, do you want you want a ride? You need a ride? And offers, I'll give him a ride. Uh, he'll give her a ride. Um, Cheryl, which was and a Star- mistake. Yes. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, this wouldn't work out well. You know, well, actually, no, I'm not even sure because if not now, they would have met for the first time at the at the premiere, which also would have been awkward. So, yeah, yeah, I guess. Although, yeah, who knows? Yes, let's it's better to delay that. All we know is what happened. It was yeah. bad. We, so. we don't need to. We don't need to pursue like alternative uh, <laughs> history, like sliding door theories about a fictional. Episode. Yeah, or, or do we? Um, Cheryl Poor starts Dewey, reading the vagina monologues out loud in bed, which quite starts, erotic. I, I was yeah. unaware of how. Yeah, erotic I didn't. The vagina yeah, I didn't know it was going to be that explicit. I might uh, need to uh, see the vagina monologues. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you can watch it on YouTube. Yeah. Um, and so this starts to arouse. Well, I don't know. The way it was described, it would not be uh, yeah, appropriate fair, for you. Maybe. Actually. Yeah. So yeah, maybe Pornhub. <laughs> Um, so Larry starts to get aroused by Cheryl's recitation of the script. Understandably um, so. Yeah, no, it's very, yeah, it's very erotic. Um, and he tries to make a another, move. Another time back to Tropic of Capricorn. Yeah, he uh, he tries to make a move. He's quickly rejected. Yes. He then tries to negotiate for five minutes. Then he says he's even willing to settle for two minutes, but it's yeah. still a, a hard no. And he. I don't around. think that's sweetening the pot, by the way. <laughs> Um, well, yeah, I mean, it could just be like, you know, it's, you could, you could quickly get back to your work. So it's, yeah. like, it's not there's as much really of a, nothing in it for you. Except yeah. It's, stop nagging you basically. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a, it won't be that disruptive because it'll only be a couple minutes. Yeah. Um, so the next day they are at the meeting with the director at her office and Larry notices the, uh, the lack of. I wouldn't even say the lack of pillows because there is a pillow, but there's not plentiful pillows. Um, and then Larry goes on a uh, – he delivers a monologue. I wrote down the whole thing because I thought this was very good. Yeah. Um, he says, if they took all the pillows away, if there were no more pillows in the world, do you think that would affect you adversely? you think you would notice it? you think it would bother you like throughout the day? Oh, there's no pillows on this couch? I know. At night, it would have an effect at night. Um, so yeah, I don't even know. Yeah, this this is a very strange monologue that he goes in because like yeah. it seemed to me like there was like the correct amount of pillows on that couch. 
my my question is in this pillowless world also like the like the the part you sit on the pillow that you sit on on couches are those also gone no, they would have to like make those better to sit on if they didn't assume. Oh, that yeah, because be those are gone. You know, like when uh, when observant Jews sit shiva, they often remove all the uh, the cushions from the seats of the couches and, and chairs in their house, and it's quite noticeable and quite uncomfortable. Also, quite low to the ground. Yeah. So yeah, so that 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 would affect me throughout my day. Yeah. So um, so in walks the director of the of the play, and of course it's Wendy, the same Wendy, because you know as we've said. Um, and she immediately asks Todd what he's doing yeah. there. Um, Cheryl obviously is very confused why someone has just referred to her husband Larry as Todd. And Cheryl, asked, who's already on high alert about her husband's not complete fidelity and honesty with her. Yes. Um, and she wants to know what's going on. And all that is told to her is we can't talk about it. And then Wendy proceeds to make up a ridiculous story about how they met at a newsstand once and she was reading an episode of Dog Fancy magazine and Larry yeah. made fun of her. And the odds that you'd remember somebody that you met at a newsstand once and know his name and yeah. be able to it place would have him, had to happen in the last couple of weeks, I would say. Yeah, I would say it would have had to have happened like that day. Yeah. <laughs> like if a week ago you met a stranger and like just commented, oh, you're reading Sports Illustrated? I like Sports Illustrated. And then you saw them two weeks later at a random yeah. unrelated you might location. Say, Did I see you at the Newsstand, yeah, you would yeah. immediately know. And, and know their name, yeah. So yeah. she, know, Cheryl's like, this is, yeah. Obviously, yeah. you guys know each other. Um, <laughs> yeah. She gets so upset that she basically storms out and leaves because she just assumes like they must be sleeping together or something's going on. Um, and Wendy tells Larry, "You cannot say a word to her." Um, we then immediately see Larry telling her the entire story, yeah, uh, which didn't the surprise uncles, me. The stepbrother, everything, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I wrote, I wrote down this one too. Um, she had sex with her grandfather, then she had sex with her uncles, both uncles, one on her mother's side and one on her father's side, and they didn't even get along. Even as they were doing it, they were fighting over who was going to guard the door. And then she had sex with her stepbrother, and she wasn't even sure if it meant that was incest or not because it was a step, and I completely understood. And she even asked the group leader, and the group leader said that a step is. <laughs> in fact incest and she wasn't even done she had more but she had to stop she's gonna finish next week oh man i'm sorry i'm laughing about such horrible yeah, things no, no. yes obviously but yeah Can't but uh yeah no that was that, that was uh that was the highlight of the episode for me when he recites yeah. back her entire story <laughs> with his larry tangents in it now i happen to believe that even when you're sworn to secrecy again like you're allowed to share with your spouse Yes, especially if it's going to cause you and your spouse to get divorced. Otherwise, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I feel like even Wendy should have been like, okay, like obviously you can explain to Cheryl the situation, like given what is now happening between the two of you as a result of like that weird interaction. Like, come on, like you know, he shouldn't have to like lose his life over this. Yeah. Anyway, uh, he explains, you know, they're very, they're, they're, they really stress the anonymity, and that's why I had to lie to you. Now Cheryl feels bad. She feels guilty, and she's now she's also upset about that she gave up the part. Um, so she like, quickly calls to apologize. They make up some story where he says, oh, Larry told me that you both were in Gamblers Anonymous together. Now, hold on. They don't quickly call back. They have a whole strategy about how they're going to do it. Oh, okay. And I think the strategy is actually genius. So actually, to take a step back, I've been ragging on Cheryl all season long. But I think she pulls a very Larry-like move in this episode. So Larry tells her to call Lorraine Newman's director character, Wendy. But Cheryl correctly, and with concern for her husband over herself, notes, if she does, then Wendy will know that Larry told Cheryl. So first of all, I'm surprised that Larry doesn't think of that first, because that's the kind of thing Larry would think of. Oh, no, you can't call her, because then she'll know. Right. But I'm impressed. I appreciate that Cheryl does, 
that she's looking out for her man, actually. So then they have to come up with the strategy of, of what story to tell. And I think it's a brilliant one, which is I will say that we did meet in an anonymous organization, but it'll just be a completely different one. And I guess Wait, less. Did you have a scene? You had a scene where they prepare for this call? They don't prepare, but they discuss it. D- did we see a different episode? I don't think I saw that scene. This sounds. This is like completely new to me. I just saw then all of a sudden they're making the call and like you figure out on the call that they made up this gambling anonymous story. Well, no, we finally made up a gambling anonymous story, but we see the scene where Cheryl says to Larry, "We can't call and say what actually happened, because then then Cheryl then Wendy will know that that you told that you breached the confidentiality." And they say, mm-hmm. "What are we going to say?" And they ah, say, well, okay. We'll think of something. All right, I don't have that in my notes, and I don't remember seeing uh, that. But maybe I just, you know, maybe I just missed it or spaced I out. I saw the All European right. version of the episode. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't that doesn't really make sense that they would cut out that thirty seconds of my episode? So I'm probably just a bad note taker. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so yeah, this is a ver- this is a very good cover story because it's like close it's enough to the to the to the truth, but with like enough of a difference that it like totally takes away all the the problem with what with her with well, like it's yes, it's, but on the other hand. If it's still a blank anonymous organization and you're still sworn to secrecy and he's still violating that secrecy, even if under false pretenses, then if I'm Lorraine Newman, I'm sort of suspicious. Maybe he actually told her the truth and they agreed to this because he's still saying something confidential. Um, I think that... I, think I can't w- think of a better solution. So yeah, it's not like I no, I think it here. works because she doesn't care that if Cheryl David thinks that she has a gambling problem because yeah. she doesn't. But if you're a gambler, you might. But but she's not, so she doesn't yeah. care if like one person... Well, there thinks, it is. I don't, maybe she's a multiple anonymous. Yeah, that's possible. Right. They're taking a risk. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Um, and... I think like ga- having a gambling problem is not, not like nearly as much of like a... Some, yes, as a stigma as like yes. be, being like an incest or rape victim yeah. even though a rape victim hasn't done anything wrong and yes. someone who's a gambling problem has probably done many wrong things yeah but whatever society is not, as it not is not that we're shaming gamblers yes no yeah it's okay to shame yeah. gamblers <laughs> you, you laid your own bed not that you've ever gambled but yes <laughs> yeah um Anyway, so yeah, this is a very good cover story, and she says, you know, I still want to do the play, but turns out the part has already been recast, and Jeff Green called and got the part for Lucy, his new uh, woman of the done. night. Yeah. Um, we, we quickly cut to Jeff and Lucy in the hotel. They're pouring Blue Label. They're toasting. They right toast to a to hotel the, room, by the way. Yeah. They toast to the vagina monologues. Jeff toasts to the vagina itself. Yes. They're having a very good time. telling Lucy who gave him the bottle of Blue Label. Yes, yeah, and they, she points out how, how ironic that is. Yes. Um, they're soon to learn uh, an important lesson in irony as well. Yes. Um, we then cut back to uh, Larry and Cheryl's home, and it's at this point that you're like, oh, right, Uncle Nathan. He's a person in this that's going to be in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> Except they who's... said specifically he wasn't coming to the house, that they were going to meet him at a restaurant. Yeah, for yeah, I agree. I yeah, I thought that also when I when I was watching it. I was like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. And he's just up late, so if anything, they would have been waiting at the restaurant. Yeah, but. it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Yes. Um, but yeah, but why is he like, late? Why is he late? <laughs> because he have, he's a doctor, and he saw there was an accident, so he of course he needed to get involved. And who was involved in the accident? It was a '57 Chevy. There was a big fat guy, and then a beautiful <laughs> woman came out. They yeah. were both drunk. He was okay, but she was hurt. And yeah. Larry and Cheryl figure ask if it was a '57 convertible, and yes, of course it was. So obviously it's Jeff and Lucy. Well, they don't they don't know that. They just think what a strange coincidence. Uh, yeah, all right, I, right. I, I guess think, fine. Maybe right. I have they a don't have questions. So, they don't realize. But so we when as Nate the audience talks knows. about how attractive the woman was. He said he'd give his eye teeth. Oh, no, <laughs> yeah, excuse I mean, me. It's it's for the '57 Chevy. He says he'd give up his eye teeth 
for the 57 Chevy. Number one, what are your eye teeth? And number two, yeah, have you ever heard this expression? No, I've never heard this expression, and yes. I don't know what it is. And also, how does everyone recognize a 57 Chevy immediately? Like, you, you see it, and you're like, oh, that's not a 56 or a 58. That's a 57. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. I know it's a very famous car. The reason why I, I even know about 57 Chevy is, as you know, my mom's name is Chevy. And she was born in 1957. Together yet, but yeah, she was born in 1957. Yeah, so like people used to call her people used to call her 57 Chevy. Yes, that's her. Her it's her AOL screen name. If anyone wants to aim my mother on AOL, I vaguely remember because you used to be on hers from time to time. Yeah, sometimes like when mine would get blocked out, I don't remember. I remember in high school. Yeah, you'd be Chevy 57. There was different ways that you could get kicked off AOL back in those days. Like if like one of your friends reported, you got to explain what AOL is. Those yeah, fine, forget it. Yeah, we don't know time for that. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so the implication now is that Lucy is injured. She's unavailable for the vagina monologues. So Cheryl has the part back, and well, uh, she, yeah. But but she, also yeah, they had they had made up. So I guess she'd be the backup in case something happened to uh, Lucy. And of course, something did. So Cheryl, Larry, and Uncle Nathan are in the dressing room with the vagina monologues. Okay, so maybe what happened is when they made the original plans with him. It was there was nothing on the calendar. Oh, then Cheryl gets cast in the vagina monologues that night, and they say, "Listen, Uncle Nathan, we can't go to dinner, but why don't you come see Cheryl in the vagina monologues instead?" Which is a weird I don't thing. Know how to get to the theater, all right, fine, just meet us at our house. Yeah, meet us at the home. Yeah, okay. I think I think maybe we could say that's what happened. Okay. Um, that's fine. Anyways, they're you know they're with her backstage, and they're both complimenting her on her looks. Cheryl's very nervous. Uncle. Um, Nathan says you shouldn't be so nervous all you have to do is talk about the vagina you don't have to show your vagina <laughs> that seems to make Cheryl feel a little bit better um, Wendy comes in and they introdu- Larry introduces this is my uncle Nathan she immediately says the osteopath and L- Larry confirms she starts yelling at him and says, Nathan get out. Says, yeah, how did you know yeah you fucking piece of shit you filthy animal you fucking turb and yeah. season one concludes and Larry tries to like interrupt like you know that he has another osteopath uncle perhaps but to no avail <laughs> yeah um, I mean this is not a, the most appropriate way for Wendy to act even no certainly not yeah <laughs> also it's supposed to be anonymous remember <laughs> right yeah exactly obviously if he's in public with him here he doesn't want you know he has him here by choice so yeah so Wendy really violating all the rules yes <laughs> Wendy uh yeah she doesn't she uh she likes to protect the rules when they're in her favor yeah I gotta say like this episode when I look back on my rankings that I made a couple of years ago, I had it in the middle of the pack for the season one episodes. But watching it today, I vaulted to, it's my favorite episode of the season. I give it a pretty, 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 pretty good. Four pretties. Yeah, I'm right there with you. This episode was lots of fun, despite the sometimes weird uh, tones because of the subject matter. It had several laugh-out-loud moments, some great monologues. Obviously, you know, every episode this season basically has the problem of there's six people in L.A., so we kind of just have to, like, make that, like, a replacement-level criticism because they all have it and you just you know run with it um but yeah i think i don't know i didn't look back at my ratings for the the rest of the season but i think giving it four like you is probably my highest of the season as well yeah you had given porno gill three and a half uh you had given the wire four so it ties the wire for you i had given the wire three and a half i'd given the pants tent four Mm-hmm. So I have it four tied with the pants tent, but I have this above the pants tent. Uh, which one do you like more between the wire and uh, the group? Um, I think I like this one better. Okay, um, so season ends on a bang with its best episode. Yeah. Now let's talk about, and I think part of, uh, in the last couple of episodes, which we weren't so high on, we sort of had trouble coming up with the worst person, coming up with the come with guy. 
In this episode, there's many, many candidates for both, which I guess is indicative of an episode that we were engaged by. Yes, um, right. The, I, I, I couldn't settle on either one, although I ultimately did, but like... There was like three for each, so that would have been a better answer than like that, that would have won like any, either of the last two episodes before this. Agreed. So who did you go with? So for my come with, I was deciding between Wendy and Lucy. Ultimately, I went with Lucy yeah, just because like too. she her presence kind of like dominates the whole episode. And and listen, she is a come with girl. She's up for anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, she's the one who asks Larry to come with her to an incest group. So like yes. that's pretty good. And, and then she uh, goes with yeah, she's really uh, she's up for anything. So. Yeah, she. She's like she's like she's the connective tissue of this episode, basically, more yeah. so than Larry even. Yeah, and who's the uh, who's the worst person? Um, I think that's going to be our buddy Jeff. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I, yeah. I mean, adultery. He's done that before, but now the drunk driving on top of that. Yeah, and he screws over Larry and Cheryl. He yeah. he like gets he like in two seconds. I mean, that, he, that's a distant third in terms of his uh, misdeeds, but yeah. I mean, it depends how you look at it. Like Larry's like his like one of his best friends, if not his best friend, and like he swoops in as soon as Cheryl lo- loses the part to like give it to his ex girlfriend that he like that's like really low. But hold on, but he didn't know that Cheryl was going to want it back. I don't think that. Even if, I mean, you can argue maybe he should have done that, but it's his job as a manager. Now, he's doing it for the wrong reasons. He's doing it, you know, yeah. he's just in it for the sex. But. Right. So he's basically, I, I think what he does is not is not a way that you would handle, like, a good friend and a good client is, like, if you hear that, like, the part is now open, like, you might want to, like, reach out, find out what the situation is before you, like, slide in with this, like, new person you just signed yesterday. Um, I don't think he would be doing this if it, if sex wasn't involved. Yeah. Perhaps. Now, we've also been tracking celebrity appearances in the series and tracking who plays themselves and who plays another character. Wendy is played in this episode by Lorraine Newman. I'm not sure in, you know, in the 21st century how recognizable her face is, but she was an original cast member of SNL. And so I think, you know, she's at least a big enough name that she merits mention in this segment. So now let's go to the mailbag. Our first email this week is from Claire Hendrickson Jones. She says, congratulations on making it to the last episode of the first season. It feels like just yesterday that you started the season and we were all allowed to leave our houses. It does feel like yesterday. At the same time, it feels like I don't even remember what leaving the house is like. Um, Have you ever introduced yourself with something other than your real name? The closest I've come is giving a fake name at Starbucks, but even that left me feeling shifty and dishonest. Um, I would say the only time I ever give my name is just because like I have a name that's like not a conventional name like so like people when I say my name of like people are like Bob or Rob like they don't really hear it correctly um, so sometimes I'll just say like a random generic name like Richard or Todd or something that like people uh, Todd's the one that Larry said I don't really ever say Todd just but so something that like people will recognize so I don't have to like say my name four times and I think I've mentioned this on 32 fans there have been times in my life when I didn't want to have to talk to strangers in social situations and start playing, you know, Jewish geography or finding out who we knew in common or from where. So I used to have a go-to fake name, which was Jack Harrison or Yaakov Harrison, if it was a more religious setting. And I would always say I was from Phoenix because Phoenix is a huge metropolitan area, but you don't meet people from Phoenix that often. So usually it's a safe guess. 
although this is 20 years ago, so maybe it no longer is as safe as it once was. And then we have another email from Bob Savage. He writes, for me, not a bad episode, just not very memorable, like Larry telling Cheryl to assume he's always available, so just give him a tap, only later to announce he's tapped out. I also cringe when Larry wondered if it's still incense, if it's a step-parent. Oh, geez. Well, we've wrapped up a pretty, pretty, pretty week season. Really looking forward to season two because I think it has lots of very memorable episodes. 2.5, pretty good. And then last email as always from Olin Allen. He writes, Hey guys, I know I have tended to be higher than the last few weeks. Feel as though this was an episode where the show really hit its stride. A lot of the first half was setting up exposition, but it still had nice moments to keep me engaged and really paid off in the second half. The in-bed talks were always fun and enjoyable, even though if any act of fun was prevented on each occasion. It had the best and most out-there cringe moments of the group meeting that was very finely treading the line of acceptability. There was the great use of transition between scenes with the old comedy trope of someone doing exactly what they said they wouldn't do in the previous ones as Larry vows not to tell Cheryl about the group, cut to him graphically and rapidly telling everything to Cheryl. Yeah, I mentioned also that was my favorite moment of the episode. Even Cheryl had her best line of of the series with the line, and he is fat, remark about Jeff. Cheryl's certainly been more reasonable and sympathetic in the last two episodes. Also had by far the best end scene of the season. It will be topped in future episodes, but it was a great way to end the season and help encapsulate the type of comedy that Curb would regularly master. Villain of the Week, he gives it to Jeff, but he got his comeuppance to come with guys. She, he gives it to Cheryl. This was her shining moment, and she wasn't unreasonable over the ex-girlfriend. Would agree a lot with Chester up to episode eight that she was more villainous. Sophia Loren reference tracker number two. The young Sophia Loren is allowed to return for Larry's masturbation sessions, following on from the mention of her as a source in the pants tent. And then Olin is going to give this a 4.5, pretty good, out of five, and sneaks above the wire as my number one episode. Oh, so me and Olin are on the same page. Uh, We both have this and the wire as our top two, uh, with this one getting the slight edge. Thank you so much to all of those listeners who sent in emails. And off, thank you to you. We are now finished with season one. Season one of Curb, an entertaining season of television, but almost certainly the worst season of Curb. So we have only up to go from here. Very excited to jump into season two. And if uh, now is a great time to tell your friends and family members to jump on board the rewatch, jump on board the podcast. Season one was pretty good, but we are confident that season two is going to be pretty, 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 pretty good.